This is the Thin Space Podcast. This is our final in our series of conversations with Bill O'Burn and Tom Ashbrook of Imago Christi. We'd like to remind you about our discovery event with Imago Christi on February 13th, 2021. If you'd like to learn more or register, please visit imagochristi.org slash discovery. You know, so we we're talking about this this uh, journey of intimacy and um, just many of the elements of it. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, what is we're journeying down this path for, for most people, what are some of the, the blocks to the to the growth and to the healing that we're that we're if we haven't already, we're most likely to be experiencing as as we're journeying through. Can you help us out with that a little bit? Yeah. Again, the analogy of growing up, uh, we, we kind of think of as, as we grow up, uh, what gets in our way? What do we stumble over? What do we get in trouble about? You know, the, the whole maturing thing. Uh, and again, in, in deep relationship with, uh, with somebody we come to love, uh, it's not hard, but I, I, there are a few I can certainly uh, just just mention that we experience along the way I do. Uh, one is what we've already uh, discovered, not knowing there's more. Um, really, the three out of seven of these phases are what uh, I grew up learning was the sum total of Christianity. So I, I would interpret this deepening call of God as something's wrong with me or something's wrong with my church. And, you know, so, so I think that's, that's a huge issue for us is, is just not understanding that there, there is this adventure ahead of me. Um, another thing I think is, is that certainly I struggle with, and that's the cares of the world. Uh, you know, there, there are some writers that say, you can't really take this journey without being a monastic that uh, some of these monks will say, well, you know, we, we live in a monastery where we, we, don't, we don't own anything, we don't have anything, we don't have a job other than the chores, and, and we find it difficult. How, how would it be possible for somebody who uh, holds down a profession in the world, they're married, their parents, you know, honor. So uh, life, we tend to fill our lives up with, uh, we can talk about them, the cares of the world as being negative, but there's a lot of work in being a parent or a teacher or an engineer or a farmer or whatever and earning a living and mowing the lawn and, I mean, just living life, right? And so, you know, I think somebody wrote a book about uh, too busy to pray. I mean, that's our studies have shown most pastors are too busy to pray. I mean, they, you know, well, I sort of do it on the run. So we talked about how important that is, but I, I used to go to the monastery. Uh, well, once when I lived there, I went uh, four days a month. And then when I moved away from that area, I went for a week, four times a year. And I would have people in my church say, uh, Pastor, we don't pay you to pray. You know, so even our church culture is all about getting things done. So, so we're busy people with packed lives. So to get away, to be alone, to even understand what we think, I think is huge. And it's, it's, it's a struggle the whole journey. I mean, it doesn't 
I don't walk onto some plateau where uh, the chores uh, and the responsibilities of life go away. So uh, I think to carve out uh, time to pray, to carve out time to be with God, to carve out spending time, quality time with people, uh, takes real work. Um, another one is fear of intimacy. I mean, if, if all we got to do is listen to country Western music or uh, the, the greatest operas and plays uh, and so on and so forth, and they're all about the failure of love, right? I mean, so uh, we've learned to say, well, I safety is probably more important to me than intimacy. And, uh, and intimacy with the creator of the universe, I mean, it, it may well be simply uh, an exercise of, first of all, I'm going to find out what a failure and a disappointment I am to God, because I, I am that to myself. So, you know, and he's going to ask me to do something I can't do. And then that's only going to drive my inadequacy deeper. And so probably things uh, uh, for him to stay in the sky and look over me and help me when I'm in trouble uh, is probably a much safer relationship than uh, this journey of love you're talking about. So, and uh, who, what one of us haven't been hurt by, by the failure of love, right? I mean, in our culture, in our marriages and our, so, uh, so we can paint this journey of intimacy with glowing colors, but one of the blocks we really uh, run into in people is, uh, is this fear of love, uh, mm. fear of intimacy and uh, with God and with one another. We ask people to imagine their longing for God. And, um, uh, I've been work, working with a person who attended one of these discoveries and did that and immediately popped into her head was dancing with Jesus. I mean, just to, to some, uh, a waltz or something like that. And it's been years and she can't imagine herself getting very close. I mean, it's so, so the Lord's having to heal a lot of love woundings in her life that have come out of living in an imperfect world and being an imperfect person before letting Jesus get close enough to dance mm. uh, is an image that she can fully uh, embrace. Uh, two other things that were on my list as I thought about this is, is false loves and uh, Ignatius of Loyola particularly talks about attachments and uh, so I, you know, I learn in my growing up to cope with life by developing certain, certain attachments to things. So it may be the approval of others. It may be excellence in my work. It may be, yeah, maintaining control of my environment. And so I grew up in a, an environment that was very out of control as a child. So uh, the last thing I, I want is chaos. And being caught up in the winds of the Holy Spirit feels a lot like chaos. I'm clueless. I don't like being clueless. And so to, to let go of, of the things that I depend upon instead of God. And that's part of the wonder of growth. God lovingly shows us things. Well, 
do you want my way or do you want do you want attaboys of the people around you and I think they're, you know, and that's that's growing up, right? I mean, part of growing up is individuating, right? Becoming myself and learning, discovering who I am, and and uh, discovering that in relationship to God. So, it's the control issue is huge. I mean, uh, we, we've got books and books on centering prayer, on how to control a con- contemplative time with God. I mean, it. It just, yeah, and we love that stuff because uh, I I know what I'm going to do. I know what God's expecting to do. I'm going to do it for so long, and then I'm going to leave. And, and so, so our whole needs for control are huge. And of course, Jesus is Lord, right? I mean, it's it's the opposite of, uh, but we grow up in a culture which teaches us that's the only place that's safe is if if i'm in control here so i think these are things that you know it's they don't just come up someplace along the journey we you know we talk about surrendering our life to jesus in in the first mansion it's it's about in all of these places god brings it up but probably comes back at, at more depth yeah, and God's so gentle in this in this journey, um, peeling back the layers of our brokenness and of the blocks to intimacy that we have. And if we're not ready to to move out onto the dance floor, to use Tom's image there, um, he'll wait, and then we'll complain that he's withholding. Why isn't he coming? Why isn't he making me dance? Well, he's he's not about forcing us into this. He's about making us capable of responding to him and entering fully into this relationship. Um, So sometimes our own impatience with God can be a block. We think he's withholding relationship from us like so many other people have uh, when he's in the very process of making us capable of the relationship he wants for us. The the flip side of that is is presuming, oh, well, I've danced with Jesus, so I'm already there. I'm in mansion 17 already. When, you know, there's the dance where, and you've maybe seen people, it's all about you and, and, and drawing the attention to you. And then there's the dance of unity where a couple, for instance, in that waltz is moving in perfect union, knowing, intuiting the heart of the other, knowing exactly already where they're going to go. And and it's uh, this beautiful expression of the oneness that they have. It's There's dancing and there's dancing, right? So there's presumption that can get in our way as well on this journey. But I would like to go back to the prodigal son. And one thing that seems to pop up over and over again uh, with regards to blocks on this journey is feelings of our own uh, worth or unworthiness. Uh, I'll take you back to the prodigal again, and this time to the younger brother. What, what, what's his speech that he plans to tell his father when he comes back from you know, having uh, squandered all of his inheritance? And it's, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your servants. And when he does finally get 
make the journey home and his father runs out to meet him and, 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 and embraces him. He starts off with the speech, father, I'm no longer worthy. And that's as far as he gets. He, he can't say the rest of it in the embrace of his father. His father is giving him that worth, is expressing the worth that he has in his eyes. He can't even ask to be a servant now because he is being restored to his sonship. And we've got to let God do that. If we shrink back from that embrace, we won't receive the worthiness that we feel like we, we lack. The worth that we do intrinsically have as beings created in his image and then as children of faith in restored relationship with him, but we've got to step into that relationship and we've got to let Jesus give us um, and make us his sons and daughters and, and bring us into that relationship. And so we go back right to the first and second order calling that flipping that and confusing that and thinking God's all about doing and my success and my image um, or blessing me or making either my, my life, my business, or my ministry successful is not what it's all about. And if, um, and until we kind of give up to the, uh, give ourselves into the embrace of God, uh, of course we can't journey into intimacy because we're resisting it with, with everything that's in us. Oh, that, uh, thank you both. That is uh, really helpful. And, and I suspect, you know, most of us listening can uh, relate <laughs> to many of those. And, um, and, you know, I, we had mentioned this in the last podcast, but, and I think Bill, it was you, but, you know, in this, even knowing that we can always, so we've just shared just a few but the, it's a limited list, but that we can always turn to the Lord and ask him, you know, like, Lord, what is it that's keeping me from more intimacy with you? And, um, and he'll show us, he may show us directly. He may show us through someone else. We just don't know how that might work, but, um, but it's important to be aware of it. Um, I, I just love the way you both let us into it because, if, if we're not aware that these things are blocking us, then we stay in them. And it's not until the Lord brings an awareness to it that we can begin to, through, through his work in us, begin to move through it and closer to him. Um, I, this, you know, there's another, another thing that we just, we just would love to get your perspective on. And, and um, this has been something that's really been near and dear to Jody's heart. And Jody, you just, you want to ask this, this next one and, um, and just um, would love to get your perspective. Well, I do have a question, and this is near and dear to my heart. There seem to be a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s who are disengaging with what the church is doing right now. Do you have any words of encouragement for these, these younger people on the journey? 
So uh, yeah, reasons for leaving. I think what we're talking about is is people that really are hungry for God, but aren't finding their hunger being met in whether it's the institutionalism of the church or its nature. And I, I think, you know, part of that really can be, uh, I want to do this myself and I want to do it my way. And this church doesn't do it my way or, uh, but I think uh, an encouragement would be two, two things. One is it is about Jesus. It is about God and our relationship with him. And it's it's not about the religion and and the culture, so I, I think that can be a focus. So I'm okay. I'm not going to go to church anymore, but how am I going to lean into intimacy with the Lord, and where am I going to find somebody to help me do that? And that goes to the to the community piece. Is maybe the misgiven idea that well I'll just my best worship time is riding my bike in the mountains. Uh, well, well, that's a good thing. I mean, but uh, there's more to it than that. And so as we've talked about prayer and community and and so on, I, I think if, if we're going to say the traditional church isn't for me, we, we have to then ask the questions, where am I getting taught? Where am I getting fed? Where am I getting encouraged? Who can I talk to about where I'm feeling crummy about myself and the things we've been discussing, which are part of the part of the journey. And the other thing that is Bill and I were talking about this earlier, I, I think we're seeing some hope for the church. Uh, there are a lot of churches that are taking both spiritual formation and mission seriously. And I think within young people uh, today, uh, m- an important value is making a difference in culture. It's not just me and God, and but it is the second order calling as well. And as Bill said so beautifully earlier, that the second order calling, the making a difference in the world we live, is an overflow of what's going on inside us. It's, it's who we are and who we are becoming that ultimately makes an impact in the world around us. And I think there are more and more churches that are paying attention to the spiritual journey and, and saying, uh, you know, people who are in love with God end up loving neighbor and even enemy in meaningful ways and are bringing those things together. So I, I'm encouraged because I'm seeking churches. I'm seeing churches who are being very intentional uh, about how do we do that and how do we encourage people in their own growth and then really set them free to live that out, not just in the ministries of the church and joining this committee or doing that, but helping them discover uh, the ways that, you know, Jesus said, out, out from out of your inmode parts will flow rivers of living water. I mean, that's that's the missional end of that. And so what does it mean to love my neighbor? So I think we're, we're seeing uh, some transformation in the church uh, here and there. And so an encouragement would be, well, just don't write off organized Christianity, but, uh, you know, look around, I mean, and, and find some places maybe that 
where they're a community of people that want the same thing you do. Uh, they just necessarily don't want the forms that that I haven't found meaningful or helpful. It begs the question of what is the church anyway? And beyond the programs to get people in the doors, <laughs> to get people to cross the threshold of faith, uh, there must be, there is more to the church. The life of the church is the life of God. The life of the church is the love of God in us. And that, to bring that into our first priority of everything that we do is what the church at his heart is and therefore should be, right? So if you don't see that happening, as Tom said, where would you see some find some kindred spirits, whether it's in the church or in other churches around or just other believers outside a church, how would you start doing that together and explore and experiment? And it's okay. You don't have to be an expert or get it right. But that's the whole point. Journey, move, uh, try things. Uh, the podcast has given a bunch of different types of prayer exercises and things like that. Repeat that, do that with each other, debrief it together, share your experience. And, and that, that is the heart of, of what we're talking about. We trust as a ministry that, that God is about restoring that in his church. He's calling his bride back to himself in exactly this way. At the same time, God is not limited to our institutional church structures. And he is, uh, he, he um, brought Imago Christi about that way within a mission organization of all places. He's bringing together these other uh, ministries, either spiritual formation ministries or spiritual direction uh, training programs. But there's other intentional communities as well. Part of our mission agency is uh, intentionally um, ministering to the marginalized poor but they call themselves an order in this sense where they need to be attending to their soul care, their spiritual life first so that they have something to give. Now it's still a so that, but they're trying in being in this intentional community and ministry, they are attending to their spiritual formation as well. And I think that is very appealing for uh, the newer, the younger generations. Can I just say it's encouraging to hear you, Tom and Bill, uh, speak on this topic. Being in my last twenty days of my twenties, the way in which you approach encouraging me with what you've said, I noticed uh, the words used, Bill, were explore, experience, and journey. This, the, there's a lot of room to explore and experience and journey within the church. And I, I've felt for a lot of my life, and I, I don't mean to make this a blanket statement for all people in their, their late 20s, early 30s, but it didn't seem like there was room to explore and experience and journey uh, in the church and finding that journey, having this map, knowing that there is room to explore and experience and journey. And there's a lot of room. It's a very spacious place to do those things uh, has been very encouraging to me and my relationship uh, with the church on this journey. 
you know, the institution, right, may not have, may have some pretty high walls and some pretty uh, clear distinctions of what is ministry and what isn't. But we're, we're, we are, if we are the church, then the, the church is that place where there's room. And, and uh, so scripture talks about us being living stones, right? The, the church is made up of us and the space that we create for more of God in our midst. Um, and so where, we do, where we're doing that, we are embodying the church. We are realizing the church, wherever that is, whether it's inside uh, uh, the institutional church, whether it's despite the original church, uh, the institutional church, or whether it's as a, as a supplement or something I'm doing apart from uh, those programs, but we're confident that God will use that to, to transform uh, as well. You know, Tom said something before we started and, and it, um, as I'm listening to this, and I love this conversation, um, Tom, when he met Evan earlier today, said, oh, you must be radical. And, um, and then Tom, you went on to say, if it's God, God's flow, it's radical. And that's been, I don't know about you, that's been my experience. You know, and one of the questions that we've been kind of throwing around, um, Larry, about a, about a future podcast is to ask some, some people our age, Tom and Bill and Larry and I, words we would want to, words of encouragement we would want to speak to our younger self about this journey in, in an attempt to help others who, who are coming along on the journey. And, um, and that would be one of my words, like, if it's God, it's going to be radical and don't be afraid of it and, and don't be discouraged from it. And I think that's, that's often been my experience with some of my Christian brethren, I've been discouraged from exploring from the expanse of who God is. And, um, and I, and that doesn't have to just speak to, you know, our friends in their twenties and thirties. I think that speaks to all of us. I know there's, there's some exploration yet for me to do um, in this journey. So I just love that. If it's God's flow, it's going to be radical and, um, and that's okay. That's right. That's actually what we created Imago Christi for in the first place, uh, recognizing our own need for that place that would give us the permission to explore and be, be radical uh, with our love for God and, and responding to his radical love for us. And then it was only later that we kind of realized that the kind of community that God was forming in our midst was the very gift that God wants to give to the church, not so much the information, right, of a discovery uh, or of spiritual formation or spiritual theology and practices and stuff. Yeah, those are all means to an end, but the, the, the quality of community that puts the first order first, that encourages us in the love of God, that allows us to explore the love of God more deeply, uh, is is precisely 
what we're called to to know and invite others into and challenge and encourage them to create. Well, this has been an incredibly rich conversation. And, you know, if I suspect many of us that are listening to to this, in, in particular, if it's it's new to us and, you know, it's kind of a um, some some doors to the kingdom have opened wide here and it's uh, maybe even an excitement that there's a hope for so much more than what you could have even imagined. You know, if, if that's one of us or, or some of us listening, you know, the, the, the place that, that probably jumps up pretty quick is, well, like, how do I do this? Like, how do, what, where do I go from here? So I've heard this and it's like, wow, but where, where do I go next? And I know it, you know, your, your Mago Christi and, and um, your ministry serves this so beautifully. And, you know, we've, we referred to um, the discovery uh, experience that um, that some of us within the Cloudwalk community have had, and how uh, profound it's been for us. And 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 I just wonder if, if Bill, you would share a few minutes on discovery as as a as a potential place for people to step into from from this discussion. We were challenged pretty early on in the life of Imago Christi to create a resource, particularly for leaders, to discover what spiritual formation is about and what it might have to do with the ministry of the church. So that's kind of the question we started asking. And we, we looked around and many of us had spiritual formation training. And I think what we came up with and what the Lord led us to were kind of the, the key components to engaging your journey. And so you can find a lot of the other seminars that will do pieces of what we have in discovery, but discovery pretty uniquely puts particularly five questions together to help you not just learn about the spiritual journey, but process it through your own experience. So we start off looking back, where have I been on this journey? We have an, and each one of these questions has one or more spiritual exercises related to that, to then map out your own journey through a timeline and see God, how God not just led you, but led you to himself throughout your life. Then we look ahead, and Tom mentioned this question of longing. How, what kind of picture of deeper relationship is God calling you into? Maybe a dance floor, maybe eagle's wings, etc. but it's the language of, of your heart that you speak that, that means something to you and God always enters into and speaks our language or the other way around, he created it that way in the first place. So he knows it from the inside. Um, <laughs> so I love sailing and man, that sense of the wind feeling, filling the sails and simultaneously lifting the boat and moving it forward it just feels spiritual to me and God uses that then to, to touch my heart and to draw me uh, into himself. We help people find that uh, image. Then we actually all walk through the, the mansions uh, and give people an opportunity to identify or at least begin to, to get a perspective of where they are in the journey. Uh, that's the third question. So as to then be able to say, well, then 
where do we go from here? Where, what are my next steps? And that's where we do zero in on prayer and community and then help people make a, an initial plan for how am I going to, to offer my cooperation to God in this journey uh, to carry me forward. So mansions that we've been talking about is one part of then the uh, one aspect of looking at our journey as a whole um, and being able to then uh, intentionally cooperate, respond to God in this journey. D D Discovery walks you through each of those experientially uh, and in community uh, of the participants and then provide some resources of, of where to go uh, from here. One of the things, uh, uh, Bill, if I can add about the title of it, uh, one of the things that uh, we learned early on in Imago Christi that was helpful uh, for us and I think uh, undergirds the discovery experience. And that's when we teach people something, it can be helpful. When God speaks to people, it's life-changing. And lots of us are preachers, teachers, you know, we, we love to teach. And, but the discovery is designed to provide spaces uh, where people can hear from God. So in each of these areas, we, you know, for an hour session, we may teach 10 or 15 minutes in it or, you know, set it up. But most of it is, is listening to the Lord and unpacking it uh, a little bit. And so it, it, it isn't designed to be a discovery of what God is saying to us in these kind of spaces and categories. So I think that's, uh, you know, what what can make it a, a real meaningful experience is people can come away and say, well, Tom or Bill or the other presenters, they may have had something interesting to say, but what I what really happened to me was God said or showed me or something like that. So, yeah, discovering the journey you're already on that God already has you on leading you to himself is much more powerful than us telling you where you should be in the journey or. I think that encapsulates what this podcast is all about so beautifully as well. And I, I kind of wrote it down. So I've, I may have a couple words off if you don't mind re repeating it for me, Tom, it was when we teach people, it can be helpful when God speaks, it's transformational. Is that kind of the, yeah, the heart great. of what you're getting at? And I think that's also what we're trying to do with, the Thin Space podcast too is this, this podcast is meant to be an invitation for people to experience God and to uh, hear from God. And as a part of that, we've asked you to lead us through uh, a spiritual exercise uh, here at the end of the podcast. And I think this is a, a great time to enter into that. So I'm going to pass this over to you and, and ask that you lead us uh, through a prayer and an experience. Well, today we've been talking about how it is we embrace uh, this amazing invitation uh, that God gives us, where we find it in the church possibly, how do we find this walk with others, what kind of resources do we have. And I'd like to have us uh, spend some time in prayer around Jesus' prayer, probably the most uh, passionate prayer uh, 
in all of the scripture, uh, a prayer for you and for me. Jesus is uh, undoubtedly in Gethsemane. This is from the Gospel of John, 17th chapter. Right after this prayer, uh, Judas walks up. And so whether John has a tape recorder, whether he's uh, got training in scribing, uh, whether the Holy Spirit reiterated this to him later, we don't know. But what we do know is that as Jesus is facing the cross, uh, the thing that he asks the Father about is you. So I'm going to read this fairly long section through, and I want you to just uh, put down your Bibles. Uh, It's uh, John 17, 11, I'm going to start. And just listen to it and see what stands out to you. What do you hear? Then we'll pause, and I'll suggest some things that are key elements for maybe you to listen to, and then read it through again. And then I'll invite you into a time of silence and reflection. And Jesus said, Father, I am no more in the world, and yet they, my disciples, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you had given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world's hated them because they are not of this world, even as I'm not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, Father. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believed in me through their word, that they may be all one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, then they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me, and that you love them even as you love me. 
Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these beloveds of mine that you gave me, they know you. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known that the love that you gave me may be in them and I in them. When I read the passage again, I want you to remember that Jesus kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops as though they were blood, was picturing you personally. That it's his desire that his word dwell in you. Not just the words of scripture, but as he says later, the very word of God himself. That he's, he sent you specifically, intentionally, in, in the place just where you are. And he's given you everything you need to follow him. He's asked the Father to enable you to join the Trinity, to let Jesus abide in you and you abide in him. He's asked that the love which connects the Father and the Son would connect you to the Father and the Son. And that you experience a kind of oneness with other believers that will be so glorious that others in your life will just come to believe that God did send his only begotten son into the world. And the word which he's given you, he wants to give them too. So I want you, as I read it the second time, to picture yourself in the garden with Jesus, not only listening to his prayer, but responding to it. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that they may have joy made full in them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. 
I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them, Father, in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also might be sanctified, made holy in truth. I don't ask just for these disciples here, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, that the world might believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you did send me, and that you loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved them before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these, my beloveds, they know you, that you have sent to me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. How might you picture Jesus with you right now, extending this invitation, knowing that the Father has brought you to him, and he's brought many others to him as well, that he wants you to know, to become one with, and to join the Trinity together. What would it look like for you to say yes again today and fulfill the prayer of Jesus' heart? His prayer for you from the Garden of Eden. What might you do to say yes? To step from maybe a lonely place in this world into the very presence of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And from that place to be the one Jesus has sent 
to behold his glory. Thank you, Jesus, for having a unique and a wonderful way of offering yourself to each one of us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and the courage to step in to your presence. Amen. Thank you um, so much. Uh, I, I know that you know. In addition to discovery, that um, you know, we're we're getting a, a very small taste of the journey that God has had you on uh, over many years. And Tom, I know you've um, you've been led by the Lord to to write um, a number of books that are that are really, um, I suspect, just knowing your heart ways in which to to help others find uh, the more of him to find the very heart of God and I just I, I um, we just would love to hear just a, a little bit about um, you know some of the, the the key books that you've written and just you know what you would like to share is is just as a way to to help others and um, and what they might be able to find in exploring um, some of what you've written yeah thank you Larry uh- uh, uh, the book I wrote after uh, Mansions I wish I had written first is called Presence, and it, it tries to explore what it means to really have Jesus present with us. And I spent about five years on it, and finally God said, you can't just tell people about that. You've got to show them. So it ended up a novel. But I think where it's it can be helpful is uh, this idea of longing for more. Uh, some people have come to that place, and so they can read mansions and say, wow, yeah, that's touching something I'm feeling. Uh, the desire of presence for me is to help people get in touch with, wow, if I could have a relationship with Jesus where I really experienced him as present, uh, th- that would be amazing. And so that's what I tried to unpack. And so that that one could be... Uh, pre-mansions, pre-discovery, just uh, to ignite the hunger that, gosh, maybe God isn't isn't just up in the sky. So that's an easy read for, uh, I maybe think possibly a seeker even, to say, well, wow, I could have a relationship if there's a God, and it could be something like that, that would be. So that's my passion in that one. Contagious Fire is... Uh, to try to connect to what we were talking about earlier, spiritual formation and mission, and the idea that um, that uh, the fire of God's love is, in fact, contagious. We're, we're created to for this loving relationship with our Creator. And so that as, as, as we become more and more alive on fire with the love of God, uh, that's going to result in mission. And I think there's been uh, 
uh, this divide between missional churches who, uh, who have a, a passion to see the world come to know Jesus. I mean, who have a passion for people that, uh, you know, won't receive the gift of eternal life. And they can see spiritual formation as kind of a diversion, this inward journey thing. But to connect those two things together, I mean, it, it Jesus, it, particularly in John, you know, the, we see Jesus totally connecting the coming of the kingdom to, to the flow of love uh, with him, uh, one another together and into the world. So that tries to, uh, to connect those things and give church leaders uh, just a feel for, well, how might I go about this? Uh, do I just introduce an electio uh, in my uh, board meeting or how can I think about this creatively? Uh, because I, I don't think that's an easy transition. The, the culture of the church is uh, locked against what everything we've been talking about today in, in many ways. And um, so I find the pastors that they get excited about what we're talking about, go back to their churches and either get fired or um, or decide this is just too hard. And and then the one I'm working on now, I'm most excited about, and I wish I'd written that before any of the others. Uh, it, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it, but I think connected. And um, it's about what God's love really means. Uh, I think uh, we read uh, the scripture about the love of God, and we we see it as this affectionate emotion or this kind behavior. And, but what we find is that the writers of the New Testament and Jesus had to reinvent a whole new word, agape, uh, that is, uh, that is, that's about what I would call life-giving connectedness. It's about being connected to God and to one another in a life-giving way. And so I, I find that many people, the idea of it's nice that God's affectionate toward me. And, but to be honest, I don't really feel affectionate toward God and affectionate toward my neighbor, not really. So I'll just translate that into being good to my neighbor. And then it all falls short with enemy. Uh, so we've missed, we've said in Imago Christi for years that it is the love of God that's transformed us. And we've said that because we experience it in some ways, and it's clearly the heart of the gospel. I mean, it just is the message of the gospel in Scripture. But why does that transform us, and why is it the center? And it's all got to do about connected, being connected to God in a life-giving, receiving way, connected to one another. So as we begin to say, well, then how does that work out? And so that's what I'm still in the midst of working through a bunch of edits of people who hate it so far and people who thinks it's brilliant and uh yeah so it's it's far from done but uh i covet people's prayers on how i can make that worth reading so thanks for listening to the thin space podcast This was our last episode from our conversations with Bill O'Byrne and Tom Ashbrook. Quick reminder, we are participating in a discovery event with Imago Christi on February 13th, 2021. These events help people discover the love of God in their spiritual journey and cooperate with God in their ongoing formation. 
If you have not signed up yet, we would love for you to do so. You can find out more information or register for the event on imagochristi.org discovery. This podcast is made possible because of generous donors. If you'd like to support the work of this podcast with a tax-deductible donation, you can do so on our website, cloudwalk.org give. Your generosity and devotion to God will have a lasting impact on many lives. Lasting because His work does not fade. If you are unable to support financially, you can support us in prayer and by leaving a comment and review on Apple Podcasts. Your review goes a long way in helping us reach new people with the love of God.